Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It's February 6th, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day, and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. You're listening to episode number 376. I am your host, Steve Say. Joining me this week are Mr. Bob Ryer. Higher, further, faster, baby. (laughs) And Jessica Schaefer is also in the house. Hello, friends. Whoa. (laughs) What was that? From Toy Story? This <laughs> 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 is my Elliot voice. I love friends. <laughs> All right, friends. It's full disclosure time here at the Talking Comics Podcast. We had two very, very special guests lined up for this week's show. Uh, David Pepos and George Santiago Jr. of Spencer and Locke fame. Here's what happened. We recorded an entire interview with them. It was amazing. Everything was firing on all cylinders. But there's this little thing called Skype updates and call recorder (laughs) updates. And sometimes when one updates and the other does not, and you assume that, hey, you know, the program worked last time and it worked the time before that and the time before that. So it's totally going to work tonight. We went through the entire interview with them. They were wonderful, and we didn't get the recording. Uh, It just wasn't there. I don't have it. Jess doesn't have it. Um, That's the kind of professionalism you can expect from being on the job for seven years of the Talking Comics podcast. But Bob pointed out that we've only lost one interview in the entire time that we've been. We've eventually found them all, um, even after crisis after crisis. Uh, but alas, this uh, interview this was the just, one. This yeah, was this, the was, one. this is the yeah. one uh, that we did not get. However, uh, we are in the process of scheduling David and George again, uh, hopefully for next week to uh, just run through the interview again, because uh, David offered to stay behind. But we really didn't want to lose uh, George's contributions. They were great. And, um, you know, we'll just have to make the magic happen all over again next week yeah so um transparency that's what we're all about all right now now just to let everybody know david and george will be featured in an interview in the comic shop news that will be it could be in your comic bag tomorrow if your store does participate in those you can look for that interview and we also have the codes to help you pre-order. There are three different covers for Spencer Locke to number one. So we have Feb, F-E-B, 19, well, 
Feb 191309, FEB 191310, and FEB 191311. The first one is the main cover by George, and we have two variants. Books like this succeed and fail on these pre-orders. We've been telling you this for nigh unto seven years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, stores don't know. There's so many books now that previews is the size of a phone book. It's impossible to go through all these other publishers. It, it's blinding. But if you go in there and say, I need to order this and this and this because I know I'm going to want it, the store knows ahead. They order a couple of extras. They go on the shelf. It's not only your sale. It's the next two or three people, and it it spreads. It spreads geometrically. So do Absolutely. those pre-orders. Yep. Yep. And a um, little bit of a spoiler. We've read the first arc, including the first issue of the new arc. And if you're an existing yeah. Spencer and Locke fan, <laughs> you are not going to want to miss it. For those of you who don't know what Spencer and Locke is, uh, it is essentially a... Uh, like a neo-noir version of Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes turned on its head and done something completely new with it. And it is absolutely spectacular. Uh, a little bit of Sin City in there uh, from Action Lab Comics, very entertaining and really, really big things on the horizon for this title. And uh, again, you know, we really appreciate David and George making time for us this evening um, my apologies for not doing my due diligence in capturing that uh, recording properly, but we will have them back onto the show and uh, we'll make it happen. So, you know, it's a free podcast. <laughs> Get what you paid for. Yes. <laughs> All right, but the good uh... news is is that we still have lightning rounds and some open discussion and some trailer talk for you. We're going to do a little bit of an abridged version of the show tonight. We're going to try to get through this because it is getting late and we all have lives. Um, so, Bob, mm -hmm. would you care to dazzle us with a lightning round? Sure. Okay. I am going to put five minutes on the clock for you. And a go. I'll lead off with the charming but impactful Wonder Woman 63 by G. Willow Wilson, Emanuela Lupacino, and Romulo Fajardo Jr., which shows us a day in the life of a satyr, Pegasus, and a minotaur who've been stranded on Earth, and they're trying to deal with being immigrants in America. Pointedly funny, beautiful to look at. Ms. Wilson's run is really shaping up nicely. There are also a couple of guest stars, one an old friend, one not so much, but both very welcome, however. Speaking of mythical figures, there was The Shape of Elvira by David Avalone with art by Franz Stroiken and Maxime Simic. The Mistress of the Dark has just been picked for a plum role, the lead in Billy Bulworth's, get it, it's an in-joke, new feature film about the life and love between a human woman and a gill man. Tons hmm. of puns and Hollywood in-jokes. Just another winner from Mr. Avalone and Dynamite in these licensed books. Sort of related as we're talking about, well, in this book, Where Panthers is the Remarkable Man Eaters Number Five by Chelsea Kane, Keith Niemzik, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Past and present story that ties back into issue three and fills in some blanks in Maud's parents' lives, as well as some of her school side shenanigans. The series continues to build wonderful momentum as there was 
with more understanding of the characters' lives, satirical elements have even more impact. If you've not picked up Man Eaters yet, grab the first trade, which will be out soon. Of course, this image is always bargain priced, and just be prepared for a wild ride. West Coast Avengers 7, Kelly Thompson, Danielle DiNicolo, and Fiona Farrell finishes up, and I'm quoting uh, the Thunderdome nonsense, as the team routes the villainous team of Madame Mask, Modoc, Satana, and the rest of their crew with the help of Kate's old ex, Novar, a.k.a. Marvel Boy. Lots of fun stuff here, especially Gwen's new pet, Landshark. But there's some bad business coming for the West Coast Avengers based on the coming next issue stuff. So not all fun and games on the left coast. Sticking with Marvel, there's Captain America 7 by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Adam Kubert. First part of a new arc entitled Captain of Nothing. In the wake of the murder of General Thunderbolt Ross, for which he's been implicated, Steve Rogers turns himself over to the authorities, and by that it's first Nick Fury, and then at story's end to the Mirbadon superhuman prison administered by old enemy Baron Strucker. Ta-Nehisi Coates makes great use of and directly references Cap's history as one who stood for more than just the flag. And as Sharon says to him, you don't serve any government, Steve, you serve a country, and a country needs ideals, it needs dreams. Brilliantly commingling the real world's anxieties, Mr. Coates has really, really hit some deep chords here as in his, as in this thought from Steve, as he prepares to turn himself in. Took me a while to see, to understand what was lost, that charlatans had claimed the dream. So to take back the dream, to take back my country, I submitted myself to it. A bit later, Steve muses, there are things older in this world than Captain America, and what I represented was a need as old as humanity itself, and the need for freedom, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, well, it is forever. You see, they can kill a dreamer, but they could never kill the dream. They could jail the revolutionary, but they could never jail the revolution. Amen to that, and there's a tremendous cliffhanger for some stuff going on. Uh, finally, I know I've been threatening this for the longest time, but I've left Batgirl <laughs> off my newest reserve list. As issue 31 by Magritte Scott and Paul Pelletier came up very short in my estimation of what a great Babs book should be. Add some cooked-up rift between the Gordons, stir in Barbara failing physically and mentally, and top with some very problematic art images, and it's a pretty sour mix, so I am out for now. Okay. Speaking of out for now, I am done. <laughs> 40 seconds left on the clock. Very good, Bob. Thank you. Uh, Jess, do you have any thoughts about Wonder Woman? I loved Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. They they added talking mythical creatures, so, like, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, what else do you want me to say? You know what I was going to say. You knew what I was going to say before I said it. But uh, yeah, no, I love the whole story. I, you know, I want to ride a Pegasus, please. Thank you. Um. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go to the diner with a Pegasus I, yes. and a Minotaur and a Seder, like that, too. Yeah. I really those like those They were so characters. upset. I do, too. Yeah. And like those mean people, like I'm glad that waitress told them like to, to see the door, you know, see, good old see yourself out. Yep. Yeah. Good old Maggie. Get yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> don't like a it's unsanitary like... having livestock sitting around the table <laughs> yeah my dog sit next to me when i eat all the time we're fine yeah <laughs> i love when somebody does social social commentary so smartly and so bitingly yes. and uh g will wilson is a 
a marvel for that. Um, I caught up with Wonder Woman as well. I was I was pretty behind. I actually started uh, again from G. Will's first issue nice. and read my way to sixty three. And yeah, it's a it's a hell of a ride. You know, she she's giving Wonder Woman a really great voice. It's funny. I was reading the first three issues and I could not get Bob and pretty much all of you out of my head on the art angle of those issues. And after listening, after having you in my head, I was reading those first three issues and I started to see it. Like there There's are some monkey there, boobs. There are a couple of yeah. faces. There are a couple yes. of like there are a couple of panels where it's just like, like all right, yeah, this looks cool. And then you turn the page, just like ah, what? Okay. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, but as far as like as as the story is concerned, and the 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 later art is is very very cool and and fits very well into the the Wonder Woman uh, aesthetic and and mythos mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Uh, but I mean, overall, it's just it's so nice to have someone with such a powerful voice joining, you know, the writers of Wonder Woman, um, Gail Simone and Greg Rucka and, you know, some of our favorite runs from the past and, and, and people before that, too. Uh, this feels like another something special for for Wonder Woman. So um, I had a lot of fun catching up with it. It was yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read Man Eaters. Oh, you read Man Eaters. Oh, okay. I, 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 I read, read Man Eaters. All right. Here's my thing. Here's my thing about Man Eaters. There are a lot of things that I really, really like about that book. I love the commentary. I love the taking the piss out of the male gender. I am. I am all for it in in good measure. Um, I eat it up. But, uh. I'm not feeling the momentum like you were talking about, Bob, a little bit earlier. Mm. I, I was, I was grooving on the first three issues and then they hit us with that fourth issue. That wasn't really an issue at all. It was basically like a zine for all of the different marketing stuff that they have throughout the book. And I, I kind of, I both, I both like and dislike the book for, for that stuff. I think it's really clever. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, but when I'm reading the book and then all of a sudden a whole page worth of story is taken up by uh, an Astro Pop ad, I, I'm kind of like, see, that's the thing. Like, it's a, it's a laugh. It's a laugh, but I also, I also feel like for me personally, the story is not moving along fast enough. Like, I feel like I've been kind of stuck in this calm before the storm uh, since the book started. And I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see where it's going to go. Um, and with the exception of Maud, um, like I'm having a lot of problems attaching myself to other characters in the story. Um, they kind of just seem to be bumbling their way through some things. And I'm wondering when that's going to come together as well. Um, but I mean, overall, I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, Want to support Chelsea Kane and her team. Absolutely. Uh, there's so much to have fun with. About that book, I just I'm I'm wondering when it's really going to hit its stride uh, for me. But I'm going to keep going because uh, I believe in man eaters. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there are my, my thoughts. Um, I don't know. All right, uh, Jess, did you want to say anything about man eaters before we move on? No, I didn't get to read it. I ran Fine. out of time. 
I got, I ran out of time, but I, I can see where you're coming from that. Maybe it's not moving a little bit fast enough. I, I can somewhat agree with you on that. Um, I don't really mind the ads as much. Um, I just, I, I find they are hilarious and that's what, you know, but I do I, get that it is taking up a whole page of story. You know what well, I mean? It took like, up an and, entire book with issue yeah, number well, four. The, yeah. the entire yeah. thing was it's like just... pamphlets and instruction manuals. And like, for me, like that's, that's cool and that's fun, but it, it it broke the story up to where it kind of staggered the momentum a little bit. And then when I, when I I read the newest issue and felt like we still haven't really gotten to the the heart of the matter, I, I just I'm just wondering when it's really going to kick into high gear. Yeah, um, I think they I think you're right though. I think they could have maybe saved that issue for like after the first arc, you know, and then drop that kind of issue. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it yeah. yeah. It would have been yeah. a really cool capper or, or like a, you know, an in-between, an in-between arcs yes. thing. Um, and that's the way it felt, but it wasn't in-between. So I, I do I do see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I, I can agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not about to tell anybody how to release their comic or what to, you know, what no. order to, to do things in. I just, um you know, it's all a matter of, of personal preference and experience and whatnot. And, like, I have a lot of fun with Maneaters. I just, I feel like it's not hitting me like it is for some other people. And, and I... I want to be there, you know? So who knows? <laughs> All right. Jess, why don't we stay with you? Uh, sure. Give you five minutes to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about dachshunds for five minutes now. Let it all out. All right. You have five minutes on the clock. Go. All right. First book I got to read this week was The Daughters of Salem, How We Sent Our Children to Their Deaths, Part One by Thomas Gilbert. Uh, by this point in time, most of us have at least heard about the Salem Witch Trials. So it's not a secret that this graphic novel takes place in colonial Massachusetts in the early 1960s. The Daughter of Salem follows the story of Ag Blah, blah, blah. Abigail Hobbs, a young woman on the cups of adulthood. When Abigail accepts a wooden donkey from a young man, she is thrust into the center of attention at her town and the rumenil starts to fly. Uh, little did she know that this was the beginning of something much bigger than she could have ever imagined. Matt, blah, 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 ever imagined. I can't speak anymore. Unfortunately, Abigail <laughs> is told that this marks the start of womanhood. She is told she was no longer be looked at men by men as a girl, but as an object of desire. But while out one day to get some fresh water, she sees him, the man with the black face, or as the pastor would like to call him, the devil. This, this graphic novel is really an interesting reimagining of the Salem Witch Trials from both a historical and fictional angle. It dives into a lot of tough but important themes, such as race and religion, but also really shows the mob mentality, how in that starts, and that's pretty mm. interesting. The art is very interesting, super unique. The style has a grittiness that really leads lends itself to that time period i do have to give a bit of a warning this book gets very graphic and very violent and has some strong imagery i say this because they brutally beat a dog to death at one point and as most of you already know i can not really handle that and i almost put the book down it did however show that mob mentality and how it starts so i did let it go and moved on um they even throw in a uh, little bit of the infamous sarah good and uh, if you don't Ooh. know who she is look her up uh, and all in all i'll be waiting for volume two um Next, Conan the Barbarian, number what? one and two. Yeah, uh, that's. Are you shocked? At that? I'm shocked. Yes. I'm very shocked. I'm Tell certainly shocked that I read this. But Make I do have to say, comic. I was really pleasantly surprised. My good bunny and buddy and owner of Android's Amazing Comics, <laughs> Anthony, has 
uh, for the past four weeks, pretty much badgered me to death um, about reading this book, literally having his wife send me text messages asking if I read it yet because he <laughs> was too afraid to text me himself. Um, and I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, being set up as an epic tale of the life and death of the mighty Camarin, uh, Jason Aaron takes us uh, takes us through his life and death. Uh, we start off with a chilling meeting between Conan and the Red Witch. Uh, thirsty to feed the blood that blah, blah, blah. thirsty to feed the blood <laughs> I can't <laughs> deep breath okay starting over <laughs> she is thirsty to feed the blood god she serves Conan and is exactly the human that she is looking to sacrifice this book is instra- interestingly full of action and adventure the art is beautiful um, and the display the depiction of the Red Witch is truly terrifying. This character is just absolutely bonkers. He chops her head off at one point in time, but she comes back with like her head half hanging off. Really, really good stuff. I do have to say that I could do without the woman fetch me some wine type stuff, but it is Conan, so we'll let it go a little bit. I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I did add it to my pull list. Ah, <laughs> Very whoa. quickly. Uh, and lastly, but not least, um, I will be talking about the Wayward Children series by Sean and McGuire. First, I do have to say, these are not comics. They are novellas. The Wayward Children series by Sean and McGuire is the story of El- Eleanor West School for Wayward Children, a boarding school for children who have come home from portal fantasy worlds and can't adjust to their new lives. Think of it as as an adult uh, chronicles of Narnia with a bit of horror slash murder mystery added in. Uh, McGuire puts a fresh and wonderful spin on the portal to another world world fantasy genre. And although each book is super quick read, they are packed with an amazing amount of story as well as so many of the characters she created on. We follow many of the characters that she has created on their journeys in and out of fantasy worlds. I must say thank you to my fellow Lady of Valhalla, the always amazing Lady B herself, for bringing these to our attention. After reading the first book, I found these all on Audible and have been binging them for the past two days And uh, while I was making a horrible catalog for my job. (laughs) And it's been a wonderful experience. If you want a more in-depth review of the first book in the series, Every Heart a Doorway, you can tune in to the next Ladies of Valhalla episode that drops this Friday, where we do a deep dive into the book. Hey. (laughs) Lady B, who's that? Lady B, Lady Bronwyn, your lovely, lovely wife. (laughs) That lovely lady. She is lovely. 11 seconds left on the clock. A very concise expert lightning round this week, Jess. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I was I was told it had to be quick. Hey, it's been working out the past couple of weeks. We've been running some tight shows with the exception of losing an entire interview. Yeah, well, that's why I felt even more. I'm like, oh, my God, now I got to be really quick. Like, this is quick right. enough. Well, listen up. Hearing, I have actually, uh, breaking news for the Talking Comics podcast, I've actually just gotten an email from David, a very, very nice email, uh, saying that we are absolutely on for next week. Wow. Uh, both uh, him and George will be joining us for uh, another ride around the mountain. So there you go. Bob, did you want to say something before I jump into yep. my lightning round? Absolutely. I loved hearing about Daughters of Salem having been there. I'm actually in in the honor of the book you chose. I'm wearing my Salem, Massachusetts t-shirt. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> I think you would love this book. Yeah, it sounds right like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it sounds like it is mixing the whole idea of 
the real story is that mass hysteria. It is about a, a, it is about religion and race and a property grab at a certain level. It's a lot mm-hmm. of things, and there is the specter of there are just enough devilly people around. So I, I'm liking this. Now, who put this one out? Who's, uh, who's our publisher? Oh, well, you know what? I did not write I can look it up. Don't, don't but worry, it was I written by Thomas it. Gilbert, if that helps. So. Yes, it does. Thank you. You're very welcome. All righty. I think it's time for me to do my lightning round. What do you say? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for myself and go. So I want to talk to y'all about a book called Alone by Shabute. On a tiny lighthouse island far from the rest of the world, a lonely hermit lives out his existence. Every week a supply boat leaves provisions, its occupants never meeting him, never asking the obvious questions. Who are you? Why do you hide? Why do you never leave? What is it like to be so alone? Years spent on a deserted rock, a lifetime really, with imagination, his sole companion has made the lighthouse keeper something of uh, something more than alone, something else entirely. For him, what lies beyond the horizon might be nothing. And so why not stay put? But one day, mm-hmm. as a new boatman starts asking questions all others have avoided, a chain of events unfolds that will irrevocably upend the hermit's solitary life. Okay, y'all. Listen up. The next time that you go to the comic shop and you've got some money burning a hole in your pocket, look for this book. This is a masterpiece, a tour de force of art and story. I absolutely fell in love with this book. It is kind of a, it's not a silent uh, graphic novel, but it's near silent. There is very, very little dialogue. It is very much a book that surrounds you and drowns you in its art. The art is absolutely spectacular. Very, um, like true to life type stuff, but whole pages and whole sections of the book where like you spend time as a bird landing on a lighthouse and it takes you like three pages to make the journey. And each panel is more intricate than the last kind of, as you're zooming in on these moments. And, um, I'm going to spoil just a few things about the book because it's going to be really hard for me to talk about it if I can't. Uh, One of the things about Alone that is really kind of amazing is the way that it portrays imagination. And so you have this guy who basically he was born in the lighthouse. His parents lived with him in the lighthouse. They passed away, but before his father passed away, he left instructions for a boatman to come out every week and bring his son provisions. So now, because the man has never been away from the lighthouse, and he only has so much that's there, his only companions are a fish that he caught that he put in a bowl and a pictureless dictionary. And so for the almost the entirety of the book... The man is picking the book up, he's raising it above his head, and then he lets it go, and it smashes down onto the table with this giant boom, almost like a lightning bolt going off. And he blindly points to a word, and he reads the definition of the word, and then you get to see his, like, 
literal literal mindscape interpretations of those things and because he's never actually seen them before like you get some really wild interpretations of these things like he looks up the definition for a violin and it talks about it being a wooden instrument that you have to turn keys in order to play it and tune it correctly and so you see this orchestra playing these really bizarre violins with all these like ornate keys stuck inside the wood that they're then turning rather than playing strings with a bow uh and so you get word after word uh of these crazy almost like hallucinations inside of this lighthouse and eventually the alone reaches out uh something transpires on the lighthouse and he becomes more curious about the outside world. And then when this new boatman, who's been very curious about him from the start, kind of jumpstarts that for him, the book takes some really, really inspiring uh, turns and with themes of loneliness, themes of of wanting to uh, live life, wanting to explore, wanting to find out what lies beyond the water and all of those things. And uh, it's just it's one of those books that like I read it was totally engrossed in it the entire time. And by the time that you get to the end, it just it makes you feel like you want to go out and you want to do something, you know, something you've never done before. Mm -hmm. Or you want to call a bunch of friends and be like, let's go do this. Like, I've seen this thing advertised. I don't know what it is, but let's like this weekend. Let's go. Um, So, yeah, that is Alone by Shabute. And um, he's got three other amazing graphic novels out as well. Uh, And this is actually printed by Gallery 13 Comics. Uh, If you've seen them on the shelves, it's that G uh, atop of the 13 with a circle around it, um, in case you're looking for, like, symbology for the the publisher. So, yeah, um, I've used up all of my five minutes to talk about (laughs) one thing, so there you go. Okay. Classic Steve. That was impassioned. Um, it's a really, really wonderful thing. Um, I wanted to talk about Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah uh, Ganusho, but maybe I'll save that for next week or possibly when Joey's on. I think he would really, really, really uh, fall for this book. It is very sweet and uh, quite the read. So I'll save that for another time. Um, but I do want to mention really quickly that uh, Bronwyn and I actually got to sit down last night and uh, it comes out, I believe, February 15th is the premiere for Netflix's Umbrella Academy. And uh, Bronwyn and I got to check out the first two episodes last night. And let me tell you, that show is a lot of fun. If you want a comic book show that is quirky and violent, but not over-the-top violent, like comic book violence... uh. This is the show for you. There are lots of great characters. I love Klaus. You won't like him at first, but just give it give it a little bit. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Uh, Ellen Page stars in it. She's wonderful. And uh, the setup for it, real quick, is uh, there were a bunch of... A freak accident happened, or a phenomenon, rather, where a whole bunch of women got pregnant and had babies all in the same moment. So the the first episode opens with like a young woman on a swim team who is just, you know, her her regular teenage self one moment leaps into the pool the next. And then by the time she surfaces, she's actually giving birth. So seven of these babies 
are adopted by this like eccentric doctor who is trying to discover like all the different fabrics of reality and uh, so on and so forth. That's a whole thing. And um, <laughs> they all have different powers with the exception of Ellen Page's character, although I have my suspicions. I've never read Umbrella Academy, so I don't know. Um, it hails from Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba. So uh, you already know that's a quality team. And uh, one of number five, one of the kids finds out that the world is going to end in eight days. And he basically needs to gather his estranged family to solve the mystery. It's a mashup of a lot of things. It's got like Cthulhu type horror in it. It's got body horror in it. It's a little bit of like a noir mystery. It's a little bit of uh, X-Men. It's just, it's got a lot going on, but it all fits together really nicely. It's a really nice companion show uh, to Deadly Class, which just started about two weeks ago. And uh, another show, another comic book show with a stellar soundtrack. I will not ruin it for you, but oh my God, there is a musical sequence in the first episode that is priceless. You know, I love me a good good musical sequence. Oh, yes. You don't even know. I'm in there. You don't even know. (laughs) Bronwyn was losing her damn (laughs) mind every single time. Like it's, I won't tell you what the song is, but basically one of the, one of the characters sets up a, a song on the record player and it's kind of breaking the mood in, in the house and they can all hear it. And so all the different characters are doing their own dances to this like ridiculous <laughs> song that everybody knows. And there's this one shot that you, it starts in one room and it keeps pulling back and pulling back. And eventually you get to see the entire manor that they're in. It's like a it's like a, a school slash mansion. And you get to see all the different rooms of all of them dancing throughout the house. And it's just one of those super cool shots that reminds me a lot of uh, Cabin in the Woods. When they pull out and you see all the different cubes and all the different horrors that are mm. inside of them. It's very much like that. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Um like I said, I've never read. Uh, it's one of my <coughs> bucket list, uh, ha- like lists of shame that I haven't read Umbrella Academy. But uh, I'll tell you what, I definitely will after watching this show, uh, for sure. So, and I think yeah, Umbrella Academy has things coming out right now, right? Wasn't Melissa like super excited about yeah. that? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, f- February fifteenth. I believe uh, for that. So definitely, definitely check that out. And Alita Battle Angel comes out on Valentine's Day. So go go see that too. Um, I've heard very good things. All right. Let's see here. We have some open discussion books to hit up. Bob. Yes. Yes. Uh, why don't you take us through our first title? that I say very slowly because I'm trying to stall because I can't find my stupid scroll thing here. <laughs> what is the first? Somebody help me out. What's the first book? It's either Ms. Marvel or Unstoppable Wasp. I'm sorry, Let's talk about you, but I'm having too much fun. <laughs> calm down. Everybody calm down. I was down. just enjoying watching you struggle, Steve. I'm sorry. I know. Everybody loves to watch me struggle. It's part of my charm. <laughs> oh, I do it to myself, though. Okay, Bob. Uh, it's hidden. Serious faces now. 
Okay. Unstoppable Wasp number four, Jeremy Whitley and the art team of Guri Hiru. In the aftermath of AAM's attack on the Girl Lab last issue, everyone is suffering the effects, none more than Janet Van Dyne, who fears that she's failed to protect the young women in her charge. She's especially worried about Nadia. Our unstoppable wasp seems disconnected emotionally from everyone, and instead of offering up her usual friendship, has instead dived headfirst into a furious attempt to fix everything, which leads to a rather shocking conclusion. Um, this is a powerful issue, one not the easiest to read, as I love Nadia so much that I never want anything untoward to happen to her, except, of course, the usual supervillain shenanigans, which she manages quite nicely. This new situation thrusts her into a struggle that many face, and I'm sure that there will be much in the way of positive response from those who can take comfort in seeing their hero trying to work through a shared affliction, either their own or a family member. So kudos to Jeremy for, for providing us a new sort of hero's journey. Uh, that... That said, the events in the issue could be a bit unsettling. Uh, they certainly were for me with, a, with my long Marvel history, so I don't doubt that there are some readers and or their parents who may find this uh, muting their enjoyment a little bit temporarily uh, by the introduction of a real-world issue for their favorite and always so positive heroine. So here's the thing, though. It's a wonderfully written story, albeit one that brings some tough moments. And though I might be wrong... I strongly suspect that things will turn out for the best eventually, so reading the entire arc will elicit an uplifting response, which will serve to make Nadia an even greater hero than she's been previously. Irving Thalberg, the boy genius producer at Universal and MGM in the 20s and 30s, had a theory about the best sort of dramatic finish for a, uh, for a movie, and that was that it would seem the hero had no way to win. He compared it to a football game, where your team is trailing by a point in the last seconds and the other team has the ball on your one-yard line just about to score, but you intercept the pass and run all the way back the other way for a touchdown as, as the clock expires, you snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And I, I have the feeling that's what we're seeing here. This, again, very, very powerful piece of work by Jeremy uh, and, and Guri Hero. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, powerful is definitely the word. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Jess, why don't you why don't you follow up first and then I'll, I'll jump yeah. in. Yeah. You know, Bob, like you said, it, it may be a little tough to read, you know, and I get that. But I hope that what comes out of it and what I, I think Jeremy would probably want is that some young girl or young boy that's reading this will will see that, you know, um, that they're not alone when they have these kind of episodes, you know, um, I know for my whole life I've suffered from anxiety attacks and the first one I had scared the ever living daylights out of me, you know, and it was scary and it's a scary thing. So, you know, um, I hope that that's what happens with this issue is that someone reads it and it's like, Oh, you know, like I have those two or I have manic episodes or, you know, so where it is tough to read and maybe, uh, you know, a little hard and not as cheery as the book, per se, has been, um, I think it was an important um, story to tell. And I, I really like the way he handled it. I thought he tackled it quite nicely. So. Yes. Nah. Uh, so we used to do this thing on the on the website where Bob and I would choose our favorite comic book covers of the week. And back then, like, I used to look at the upcoming comic book covers all the time. And I would get to, you know, appreciate the artwork and whatnot and go through my favorites. And so I hadn't seen the cover for Unstoppable Wasp number four until I bought it. And I looked at the cover and I saw how distraught uh, 
Nadia looks uh, and the bags under her eyes and her her lipstick is a little bit smeared. One of her wings is partially broken and the chalkboard that she's standing in front of just says fix everything over and over and over again and, and you know, different size fonts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I was really kind of taken aback because I, I didn't read this until I think it was even last night. So Monday night. So the, the new comic book day had come and gone. And I saw people, Jeremy retweets a lot of stuff uh, for this book, as he should, to get the word out to to more people and so on. And I just, I saw all these little hints at something really big happening this issue. And I was like, what is going on? And then I looked at the cover and I was like, oh no, like what is, what is happening? And as I was going through it, I was really blown away by how seamlessly this book transitioned into becoming... Like it was, it's very serious. Yeah, like it, it's really, mm-hmm. it's, it's bringing mm-hmm. some really uh, powerful issues to the forefront, and I absolutely love that this book is doing that. Like this, this all ages book that is is selling, you know, by the trade for for young readers, um, both boys and girls. That this type of uh, material and like this affliction is being directly addressed as and is a part of this character you know Mm. that for all of her smarts and for Mm. all of her quips and jumping into action that people often have you know some real serious things going on behind the scenes you know like not to talk about anybody else's stuff but you know we're radio personalities to to some extent, you know, mm-hmm. you come on to the Talking Comics podcast and, you know, we don't we never hide anything from anybody. We're a very mm. transparent show, obviously. But like, you know, you got to you got to do the thing, right? You got to put it on and go, hello, and welcome to the ball. Like, there are some yeah. weeks where there's it's shit hard. going on that like you really got to dig deep to conjure that energy. And um, funny that it's not going to maybe not end up being in the. uh the interview that we we share with uh, David and George, but um, for what we lost, we actually talked a little bit. I mentioned something about imposter syndrome uh, to George, which is something that I definitely have dealt with uh, throughout the years in, in regard to this podcast being uh, assistant editor-in-chief over at JoeBlow.com. Like, I have a very difficult time feeling like I fit in or that I've earned something. Uh, it's been like that my whole life. I still suffer from it today. It's not, it's not what Nadia's going through, certainly. Um, but just pointing out everybody, everybody has their things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I doubt myself every week before we hit the record button and then we get through it. And by the time I go upstairs to my beautiful wife and she asked me about the podcast, I am nothing but, smiles and you know telling her about good times that we had and even after being proven to myself every week that it works there are times when when i i really just that doesn't get through to me you know so anyway real talk yeah yeah <laughs> you're good to go yeah, excellent no. yeah uh i we I did have a correspondence with the writer jeremy whitley and I just want to pass this along. He said it was okay to do so. Uh, I anticipate this one being a hard one for the for a lot of folks to read, and is maybe the least fond I've been of the monthly format in some time. It would be nice to be able to deliver this and issue five at the same time, 
as I feel like using a person's mental health as a substance of a cliffhanger is maybe not ideal. You know me, though. We'll be back around to hope before this is all said and done. This has been part of my plan for Nadia since back in the first series. We just never quite got there before. Part of my initial goal with this series was to see if we can discuss the issues that are frequently haunted stories about Hank Pym and were often handled poorly, instead handle them in a way that is right and honest in ways that don't make Nadia a villain, but make her an authentic representation of a good person with mental health issues. This story also gives us a chance to see a few characters be heroic who so far haven't had that chance. So, thank you, not, Jeremy. Go ahead. Thank you, Jeremy. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, in, in no uncertain terms, I think he teased this on the show back in the day when we had him on for the first arc. He, he talked a little bit about, um, like, revisiting some of the more, um, like, mental-centric stuff mm-hmm. for these characters and that we might see things come full circle later on. I wonder if this is part of the plan. I do believe you're right, Steve. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, I know, I know Jeremy's a friend and, you know, everybody loves him and everything like that, but damn it. Like, this is such a great book. It really is. It's such a great book. It it, it really is. And like what you said, like it transitioned so seamlessly into something very serious. Like I was just, you know what I mean? It it didn't feel, and it didn't feel like you're reading a separate book either. Cause I know you've read books like that where all of a sudden they go from being this happy go lucky and they go into the deeper stuff and you're like, this is not even the same comic. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like that. You still feel like you're reading, you know, the same comic and he just transitions it perfectly and, uh, and really tackles a really, you know, a tough subject. Well, this is one of my like that was one of my favorite things about making friends uh, with Kristen's yeah. book was you had all of this magical girl stuff and, you know, all this crazy things going on. But then you had the angle of her creating this best friend and only giving her so much of an identity. And then once she was like, you know, sentient, so to mm-hmm. speak, and kind of questioning her existence, why aren't my parents looking for me? Why so hasn't sad. anybody yes. called? And like out of nowhere, the book turns into this really torturous is not the word. But if you think about those themes long enough, you can torture yourself with your own thoughts. Like I but I love books that evoke that kind of a reaction from me. Those will always be my favorite books. And it's really cool to have Unstoppable Wasp. That's usually this like, you know sweet light-hearted romp with lots of smarts and celebrating ladies and science and all this stuff to all of a sudden take this hard left turn and make you think about like your own mental state and and how you do day to day and and things like that and uh yeah it really knocked me on my ass and i i appreciate that a lot it's one of the biggest compliments i could give to somebody about their book is that it it threw me threw me against a wall and you know showed me myself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. No, you really do. Like I said, you know, I, I definitely saw a bit of my, I mean, that cover, I've, I've felt the way that, that she looks on that cover, you know, and, and you mm. have to look at the, and when you take that deep kind of look, you can't, you know, you can't help, but, uh, you know, feel a little something for it. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this was yeah. also, um, this past weekend was the, the two year anniversary of me going into the hospital. Oh. Uh, when I had that, uh, that bleed and mm-hmm. uh, I had to disappear from the show for a while and I collapsed in Bob's mm-hmm. arms and all of a sudden they were 
mm-hmm. hooking me up to a bunch of tubes and pumping me full of blood and Bronwyn's putting headphones on my head so I could listen to music while it's all going on and like so that got me going because all of stupid Facebook is showing me all these you know hey you remember the time when you almost died oh my god isn't that, isn't that great? Isn't that fun? I yeah. hate Facebook for that that's right? the worst like every day I see a picture of my dog who's passed and it makes me Aww. I'm like every mo- I have a little cry every morning this on is Facebook, why I don't really you know? pay- anything on my I know, Facebook I is usually auto posted like I don't yeah. share things on Facebook and I barely tweet anymore because I just uh, never mind. That's a whole. Yeah, thing. I know. That's a whole. We could go down a hole. Yeah, a hole. I am very. I am a. I am a nervous tweeter, and that I. I put things out there sometimes, then immediately I'm just like, you know what? Nobody gives a shit. Like nobody needs to know that I'm thinking this. I'm gonna take this down, and then every now and again I'll get a reaction to it before I can take it down. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna take it shit. down anyway, because <laughs> I don't care. Oh, that's it's my account. Account. You're not the only one, Steve. I, I overthink every tweet I've ever tweeted, and then I spell something wrong, and I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, I'm having, like, I a just, mental I breakdown, okay? I see so much <laughs> negativity on the platform yeah. that, like, any time where I'm like, well, I'm going to say something clever and, you know, about this thing that I didn't like, and I, like, I get halfway there, and I'm just like, you know what? Nobody needs this. You know what happened to me the one time? I, like, never really post my opinion opinion on Twitter. And the one time I did was about when we went to BlizzCon, I was not happy that Train was performing. It's not that I wasn't oh, happy. I just – I didn't <laughs> think that it was relevant. So that's what I said. I just said I didn't think they were still relevant. I got death threats. People sent me DMs with death threats really? about – Yes. I had Over to take Train down. I mean, there was, like, thir- all of a sudden I had – it, like, my phone started to immediately, like – I mean, like, blow up. Like, all of a sudden, like, me and Dan were sitting there. And it was like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, what is happening? And it was like, how dare you, like, the Blizzard gods give you this and you should be grateful. And and how do you not train as one of the best bands in the world? And I was like, ah! Like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And someone, like, then I got the first DM that was like, uh, you know, <laughs> I hope you and your family die. And then oh, I got another. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Over train performing at blizzcon so like really i if you don't see me tweet a lot this Man, is why i could have at least <laughs> chose that battle for a for a better band <laughs> I, that's, listen i'm gonna get my i'm training you're gonna get you're gonna so get all, yeah now, exactly Steve. we're gonna yeah. get in trouble we're gonna get in trouble you can't say okay train is great it's a lovely band i didn't see them perform at blizzcon i'm sure they were great okay there was a lot of 15 year old ladies standing in that audience waiting for them i'm just gonna say that though i'm not even <laughs> um, sure that i know who they are oh you do that you do they did um the Superman song? No, no, no. They train. Hold on, now I have to Google. I'm, I have this to is Google. how much I, I don't Google know about them. this band. We're getting, we're getting off on a hardcore tangent. A right tangent. Now. This is a tangent and a half. Uh, Drops of Jupiter. Uh, nope. They, yep. Uh, that's. They that's don't do Kryptonite. No, no, that's some other band. That's, All right, um, forget it. You know what? No, they're getting free airtime by us talking. Yeah, about talking them. about Buck train. train. Anyway. All right, we're done. We're done. Let's <laughs> let's talk about a different book. What else do we got, Bob? Ms. Marvel, number 37. Yes! Gene Willow Wilson, Nico Leon, Ian Herring. It is called After the Flood. This just a regular day in Kamala's Jersey City story perfectly encapsulates all that's been special about Gene Willow Wilson's historic five-year run on Ms. Marvel. We open with Aunt Kamala and Uncle Gabe babysitting little Malik, which, as Nakia later points out, has gone exactly as expected. You see, Jersey City's infrastructure, sorry, Joey, has sprung a leak, (laughs) and and it's up to Ms. Marvel to plug it. Literally, in this case, the thing of it is, as nearly every issue has demonstrated, this series has been about 
family, friends, courage, and not just superheroic bravado, but the courage to embrace each day as a, as a new opportunity to do the right thing. So with just, I guess, one more issue to go before her departure, I'll save my complete farewell for next time. But let me say that it will be very tough saying goodbye to G. Willow Wilson's Kamala Khan. Is the next one really her last? Yeah. Yeah. It's no. a whole it's an it's a it's an anniversary yeah. issue. Yeah. Oh like a special. Yeah. So um just like I did with Wonder Woman, I caught up with Ms. Marvel uh last night as well. So I read from the um what was it? The issue where they had a whole bunch of contributors that maybe it was like thirty two or mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the fiftieth uh, anniversary, fiftieth issue. There you go. Something. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. So I read from that forward and really, really love the stuff. I love Bruno. I yeah. love when he, I love when he's around. I love Naftali. I love all of the characters in this series, and catching up just like it was at Wonder Woman. G. Willow Wilson knows how to get to the heart of her characters, and she does such a great job of making these characters feel like real people. And Kamala feels like a real person to me. Uh, and, oh man, I'm so, I'm so bummed. I had a whole thing yeah. planned. <laughs> go ahead. I'm go. so sad that it's celebrate. over. Celebrate. No, we, we need yeah, to celebrate like, how great it is. Messing with her powers, the way that they, that they explain it and, and how her powers work. Like, I'm so glad. President Kamala. What's that? We got President, to see President Kamala. Kamala. Yeah, I know. I, I just, I'm so glad that G. Willow Wilson is getting to write that stuff specifically, the powers stuff, because that was a thing that I think she talked about in interviews and whatnot. That you know, at some point she was going to address how Kamala's powers work because it's never really been explored. Um, she's been trying to figure him out the whole this whole time, and she's been you know, they work, they don't work, but this time around we actually got a little bit of a clue into where she gets them from, and it's such a crazy comic booky explanation. Yes, and it's it's so good, like it's it's so the you have to read it. I'm not gonna spoil it for you, uh. But it's it's super fun, and I love the series. And now I am really depressed that the last issue is gonna be her last one. I know. I'm excited for Saladin Ahmed's uh, take on the character. I just I've been I've been dreading this for ever since issue number one, and now here we are, and I'm gonna go cry in my gin. Yeah. <laughs> Go cry Just... in a corner. I'm crying with you. Don't worry. We're all crying. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I got a glass of wine and I'm crying into it right now. It's salty like my tears. <laughs> What's, what say you about uh, Ms. Marvel? <laughs> I mean, I, I really love you know it's just it, it it makes me happy every time i read it and i'm i am sad that that gee well i mean we got her on wonder woman now though right so so that's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool but you know i even love the whole thing with like being you know taking like i remember when i was thrown my first nephew um and had no <laughs> idea what i was doing with him he is now one of my besties and uh you know and and seeing that interaction interaction with her and you know it's it's very cute i enjoy it. I, I, I'm sad to see her go. I hope, uh, you know, 
I hope the same standard is help, held up and each issue is as good. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. We shall judge you Just thusly. Sad. Yes, we will. Oh, hard. <laughs> Hard judging hard. It's gonna be it's it's gonna there's gonna be some growing pains, I'm sure, just like there have been with other legendary runs uh that we've podcasted through. It's always tough. It's always it's always tough to go from a really big creator being on a thing for so long that they've made their own to, you know, no matter who's taking it over. It's it's hard to watch that transition. It sometimes so takes now. a takes a couple of issues for people to find their voice it sometimes takes a couple of different creators to get back around to what you need here's the thing i'm sure uh Saladin, who's done great work mm-hmm. on on books we've loved has been studying hard what gene willow wilson has done and he i'm certain he wants his take on it but i'm sure he knows why people love kamala right and so you you want to do something great but there you don't make her the punisher i don't think anything like that's going to happen i think we're still going to have a, a wonderful book that's it there'll be a great slice of life he is talking about a different different tone at least initially so mm-hmm. we'll see we'll yeah. see uh i actually just picked up his i read the first two issues of his miles morales spider-man stuff that uh is just coming out now and uh super quick one of the cool things that I really like about it is that where Brian Michael Bendis maybe would have been a little bit uncomfortable writing some of this stuff, Saladin's got a, a way of like streeting up Miles and his friends. They're they're talking a little differently now that he's on the book. Like they're using a little bit of that lingo and it is a very effortless thing. Uh it feels it feels organic to these characters and it's kind of cool to see them maybe talking a little bit more naturally Um, as much as I love the Benda stuff. And I do uh, it's just, it's got a little bit, a little bit of a, of a, of a cultural flavor uh, to it that it, that it might not have had before. And so I'm, I'm curious to see if he can lend that same uh, flavor or not the same flavor, but something akin to it uh, from Ms. Marvel. Uh, like I said, we will see and judge it thusly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the Captain Marvel trailer real quick. Ooh. Uh, oh, Bob. Bob, go ahead. Oh, look, Bob. It, look, it was only 30 seconds, and I didn't know it was coming. I was sitting there watching the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, here's this teaser. I guess you want to call this. Every yeah, one, every one of TV these spot. that they've done for for Captain Marvel so far, has given us more and more of Brie Larson playing Kelly Sue's Carol Danvers. We started with sort of very serious sort of trailers, and people were complaining, "Oh, she's what? What's she doing? She she can't act. The woman won an Oscar, okay." And as we're seeing more and more of the personality emerge, it is fabulous to watch that happen and then to see the power level they're assigning captain marvel she's gonna kick some butt it is it is amazing this trailer teaser tv spot (laughs) i watched it like six times already and i tear up each time because what we're dealing with is what i opened our show with today it's higher further faster and it's 
Carol with uh, it's Maria Rambo as played by Lashana Lynch. And a little later on, we get to see little Monica. And it's like, keep up. This is, it was epic. It's mm. about what everybody else thinks. Oh, Jess, do you want to go? Yeah, I just, you know what I mean? Every single one of these makes me want to watch the movie a little bit more. So I'm in there. I am so in there. And that mohawk and fly. Yeah, it was yeah. really great. You know, that that mohawk, man. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, she's she's just like shooting through space with her mohawk. And I thought it was everything it needed to be. I didn't need more than 30 seconds. I don't want to be completely yeah. spoiled, you know? So yeah, I was kind of happy where I'm at. Yeah, I'm like, I was happy that it was really short, just had some, like, could quick, like, jabs, you know, that made you want to, like, go and, and see the movie. And that's how it should be done. We don't need half the movie. We just need a little bit to get us in there, you know? And yeah. I think it captured that. So Yeah, so I'm done. Like, I'm I'm done seeing things for this movie. It's coming out so soon. I just want to see the damn movie. <laughs> yeah. I only watched the, the trailer because I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I I'll say this if I could just a little teeny tiny little nitpick love the trailer whoever decided to mix that higher faster further into like a that song a discombobulated (laughs) song it was it would have been just from my perspective it would have been really cool if it had like if they kept going with it as like the montage stuff kind of you know plays out and it like it heightens like it builds and it just you know and it ends with like this big boom or whatever um the fact that they only will high fast divert, like twice uh really pissed me off so, <laughs> a, a failed failed opportunity to turn that into something really cool but all the footage looks great the movie looks fantastic uh i just I'm nervous. I'm so I've I'm never really nervous for Marvel movies and I just I'm nervous for this one. It looks like it's hitting all the right notes. Uh I just I want it to do well and I want I want it to have a similar like a similar reaction, universal reaction that Wonder Woman did, where once everybody had seen it, even the haters, even the people that, oh, we don't need the Captain Marvel movie. This is stupid. Well, what are they going to do now? Like, this is the new deal, folks. They got to keep making money. And so they're going to pull a bunch of characters out of their ass and they're going to give you a bunch of new stuff. And that's like, that's the business. That's the way it works. And it's going to be awesome when these Marvel movies, like another 10 years from now that you can go and you can watch like 20 films of some of your favorite heroes and have them all be these like special effects powerhouses with top notch talent to like portraying these characters. This is like the age of the comic book movie. We are living in it now. So, you don't get on board, you get left behind. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. The great unwashed, they used to say back in the old days of yellow journalism. Here's the thing, though. I was talking this to Anthony at at Androids just last week. We were chatting about all these sort of movies. And the point I, I was making, for comic book fans, the first run of Marvel movies, they're all these big characters. There weren't big characters 
to regular movie-going public. They had sold off the big ones to other studios. Spider-Man and the X-Men were sold off to other studios. They were doing B and C characters who people knew maybe from a cartoon somewhere years ago. Uh, Iron Man? Thor? Yeah, I was going to say, you know who was nobody before Iron Man? Iron Man. Iron Man. Right, yeah. Not nobody, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, huh. he, well, yeah we get what you're saying, Steve. We know. So, <laughs> so the people say, oh, oh they're, we need to make Black Panther movies or Captain Marvel movies. Well, A, yeah, we need team. representation for everybody so everyone can have a hero. And we are building a new set of Avengers with all these other characters that are now being pulled in. Yeah. And there'll be more yeah. and more and more as we go. And they'll yeah. be better and better and better. Jason Momoa is Aquaman. All right. Everything, <laughs> everything is off the table now. Samoan Aquaman. And that was movie it? was fun. I don't care what anybody said. It was fun. It was, there was just some sciencey things, man. There were some sciencey things that bothered me. Like the, the floaty, like they could jut one from one side of the water to the other, but then like all of a sudden they were using floaty arms. Like why, why what? were there floaty arms? <laughs> Sorry, these are the things that bother me. I can't, I can't help. It. I've thought about this a lot too. If you I had a very help. heated discussion with one of my coworkers about that movie about yesterday. So arms? I'm still like, it's still fresh you're heated, you're in my in my hackles right now. <laughs> like, That's if you dare say word about Aquaman. Go for those sciencey things, Jess. Even though all you've made fun of me about Skyward. That's okay. I know. I know. <laughs> And Bob, and it was, I could hear you in my brain. That's the thing, okay? It wasn't me telling me it was wrong. It was Bob's voice in my brain going, like, why yeah. is he using floating like arms? When I was right reading now? Wonder Woman, and I was like, everybody was like, yeah, but the art's like, eh, it's like a shut up. Boobs, shut up. man. It's the wonky boobs for me, okay? There's some really wonky boobs in that book at the beginning of that to book, and, and I from. can't. Yeah, like, boobs don't from. look like that. That's not what they look like. like I don't know. Gravity <laughs> is your friend. Let's talk about the comics that we're excited for on the stands this week. Bob, what are you picking up? As Guardians of the Galaxy number six. Been just absolutely loving that. We have Giant Days 47. There's a little book called Batman, which I'm still on board with. And that is... It really that's, like that's quite my long. <laughs> well, hit me with something. Maybe I'll pick something else up. Talk to me. Do you want me to go? You want to go, Steve? You yeah, want me to go, go for it? Go sure. for it. Uh, I am also getting Batman, even though I'm like four behind right now because I've read everything but Batman to for for the show. To be honest <laughs> with you, uh, Die number three comes out. A natural yes. comes out. Ah, oh, say, oh look, he said, oh yes, a natural number seven. There's a new book coming out called Girl in the Bay. That kind of looked a little interesting. That's from Dark Horse, I believe. Uh, Sword Daughter number six comes out. Uh, Female Furies comes out mm -hmm. with you know Big Barda on the cover. Yeah. Um, uh what else uh conan the barbarian number three comes out so i'll be oh. grabbing that uh hey. dead deadpool number nine comes out um there's another one okay this one i thought looked really cool it was like magical beatdown and it said something about like sailor moon and it had like a little girl in like a skirt and like a schoolgirl skirt like all bloodied with like her hand wrapped up on the cover so mm. i'm in for that um and oh and the trade for princess raven pilot pirate princess uh volume six comes out so I will ah, be that as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a good week. Yeah. See? <coughs> Whoa, sorry. Um, yeah, so that Female Furies book that's coming out, that is written by Cecil Castellucci, uh, who is the writer for Shade the Changing Girl and Shade the Changing mm -hmm. Woman. Mm -hmm. So 
points You'll there. Be in there. Uh, and Adriana Melo is the artist. So with covers by Mitch Gerads, there is a there is a lot to look forward to for this book. It's got a bunch of cool characters on it. I would name them, but we're trying to get out of here. So <laughs> I will skip that part and I will tell you what my books are for this week. I am also picking up Giant Days number 47, Batman 64, Female Furies number 1, Young Justice number 2, really loved Young Justice number 1, Die number 3, I also really dig that series, Unnatural number 7, I'm looking forward to catching up with that, uh, really, really dug the first arc. Joey's got me on the X-Men train. Wow! So, yeah, I have all of Uncanny X-Men that I've actually started to reread uh last night and uh so i'm also picking up age of the x-man number one uh as guardians of the galaxy number six uh chip zadarsky's daredevil number one he's starting his daredevil run this wednesday so definitely definitely gonna check that out uh and like i said on canny x-men number 11 and x23 number nine so uh and then probably uh we ordered a couple of hardcovers i think fatal volumes two and three are coming into the shop for us uh yeah so money flying out of my pocket (laughs) for comic books always every week (laughs) doesn't look everybody people that write to us and they're like you kill my wallet man like you know just oh i can't our wallets are empty yeah Yeah. (laughs) we cost each other money all the time yeah every week you are not alone. All right. Oh, my. <laughs> you did not yeah. cross out the end. That's kind of mood yeah, I'm in did. tonight. <laughs> it's late. We need to wrap it this is. sucker up. It is. We do. All right. Um, so before we get out of here, I'll ask for closing statements, but I will begin with one. Thank you to David Pepos and George Santiago Jr. for being with us tonight. Again, we apologize for not bringing you that interview, but we are locked and loaded for next week and it's going to be even better because we're going to do it again <laughs> with more gusto and it won't feel like we're living in a perpetual deja vu for uh, 45 minutes at all oh, <laughs> groundhog um, day yeah uh, but in all seriousness uh they were amazing lovely. about rescheduling so accommodating so much talent uh between the two of them uh and their team over at spencer and Locke and action lab uh, Bob, any closing statements from you? No, sir. All right. Uh, and Jess? Um, I am just going to do another shameless plug for the Ladies of Valhalla <laughs> episode that drops this Friday. Every Heart Doorway. It's lovely. It's a good book. Oh. Pick it up. Or a good novella. Read it. Have you decided <laughs> on the next jam? Um. Oh, we're going to do Lady Castle next. That's our next is Lady Castle. Uh, was that Sarah's pick? Um, I think it was just a general. I loved Lady Castle as well. Bob can tell you when I was working at the store, that was my pick of the week every time it came out. I absolutely adore cool. that book. So I, the minute it was mentioned, I'm like, yep. You know, it's <laughs> it was it was not a very hard decision. I think it was All right, well, unanimous. I know another thing that I'm going to be picking up tomorrow then. I love Lady Castle. Um, it's really good. I think you'll like it. Yeah, especially if Robin's got to read it for the podcast. All right, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter, 
at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And don't forget to check out Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, Ben Assembled, and the Ladies of Valhalla Podcasts. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com Jessica. Steve. That was a good one. Right? All right. I'm getting good at it. Uh, You can find me at Jarska. Also, it's J-A-R-R-S-I-C-A. I've been informed that apparently not everyone can spell that or know how it's spelled. So there you go. Tagging you in emails and sharing the show note documents is always a pain in the ass. Sorry. I apologize. Apologize. It's okay. Uh, I, for if you want to get in touch with me, is at dead. I am at dead underscore anchoress. On both Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob. Well, thankfully we ran long and I missed all the Washington shenanigans. So thanks, everybody. (laughs) For Jess. Goodbye, friends. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. I have been (laughs) and always will be, Steve, say happy birthday to George Santiago Jr. And happy birthday to anybody else whose birthday it is today <laughs> that you're listening to this podcast. doesn't even matter if it's Wednesday. You could be listening to this on Friday. If it's your birthday, happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> um, we'll catch you next time on the Talk to Comics podcast. To be continued.